0: Frigg.
1: Hello, welcome to this week's episode of Juicing the Big Screen, your uh, movies review and discussion podcast. I'm one of your hosts, one of your reviewers, Joshua Tracy. And I'm one
0: of your host reviewers, Corwin Heller.
1: And we are continuing, as I say at the top of every week now, um, because I will until the Oscars roll around, we're continuing our Oscars uh, build up review bonanza <laughs> as we. Uh, Uh, are talking this week about the recent Netflix-released film Pieces of a Woman, as well as a look back into Oscars years past, talking about 2016's Manchester by the Sea. Uh, Corwin, where do you
0: want to start this week? Uh, Do you want to start with sad or sadder? I don't know which one's which. (laughs) Oh, I do. Only Uh, one of them made me cry.
1: I guess let's start with Pieces of a Woman. Okay. I... Yeah. Because I... I don't know. I'm feeling like discussing it. Especially, okay. I guess. It Does It doesn't matter. Uh, Tweezes no. of a Woman. Um, it, it was... Uh, it's directed by Cornell Mundruchku. Um, written by Kata Weber. It stars Vanessa Kirby, Shia LaBeouf, and Ellen Burstyn. Um... Do we, will we have estimated budget information for a Netflix film? I feel like we won't. We don't, nor do I have anything in terms of box office. Um, again, these things exist in Netflix's sphere. It's an interesting part of the business in which typically for films that have theatrical releases, we know by and large what they gross and can you know compare that to expenditures and get a feel for where the industry is going as a... As a I, well, as an industry in terms of what they're kind of looking to produce Netflix has all this information internally based upon uh, streams but they don't release any of it publicly so it's basically impossible to get any of it um, to, for, first off to get any information and second off even if you got the information without knowing how Netflix looks at all of its streamings uh, or streaming content side by side it's impossible to judge any of it but that's a huge side note I spent way too much time on um, I think that's interesting
0: and I it learned something, so I don't think you wasted time.
1: Well, thanks, buddy. I I, I appreciate that validation. Um, it also doesn't have a tagline, and I feel like that's probably for the best because there's almost nothing that could make this have a. There's almost no tagline that would have worked here.
0: What is um, so? It doesn't have a tagline at all. Not that I see. No. Which I don't.
1: You know. Now that I'm looking at this, I'm not sure. Sad movies should have taglines. It feels too cutesy.
0: Um. Anyway. It, I think it should be something sad. Like, hey, don't see this on a first date. That's an appropriate tagline for a sad movie.
1: Don't watch this if you're pregnant.
0: Don't uh, watch this if you ever plan on having a loving relationship with another person.
1: Uh, so it has no major awards, nominations, nor wins because this is part of our 2020 um, Oscars season shit. So we're anticipating this getting... Ah, uh, based on lists that we have uh, checked out and compiled, we're anticipating this getting some um best actress and best supporting actress love um for Vanessa Kirby and Ellen Burstein, um, which you know, I guess we can touch on as we go forward with it. The is film no itself the mother, yes, okay. Thank you. This is our second Ellen Burstein movie of the podcast.
0: What uh, the first?
1: The Exorcist. She was the
0: mom, oh shit,
1: yeah. No, Ellen Burstein sure. is wonderful. I love Ellen Burstein. Um, uh, the film itself is about a young mother's home birth, which ends in unfathomable tragedy, and she begins a year-long odyssey of mourning that fractures relationships of with loved ones in this deeply personal story of a woman, woman learning to live alongside her loss. Um, so this was my pick as it was my turn to go the oscars Z ra- route. Oh, Jesus, I'm having too many problems. This is not going to go well.
0: You're turning into <laughs> me. Welcome yeah, I know, floor, right?
1: Bud. We have one big show, and all of a sudden, I devolve into a different, worse form of human. Uh, <laughs>
0: you is basically what that is. <laughs> I I was going to say it if you didn't. <laughs> I love you. Um,
1: I I don't know what to make of this film. Because it's very clear that this is a deeply personal movie. Yeah. And the fact that that comes across, I think, is partly a win. You know, you want to have your films have the feeling that you are intending them to have. That's just execution. I I, I just want to say, I
0: don't know how you can have this movie without it feeling extremely personal.
1: Right, that too. Um. I do think, however, it leaves a lot to be desired, especially when it comes to writing.
0: Um, writing to what extent? Like, like literally, everything. writing narrative writing. Like literally everything.
1: Okay. Um, I think the dialogue is often bad. I think the plot leaves a lot of holes in it. It seems to jump from a lot of mundane shots as a way of showing the quietness of the woman's life, which I understand, um, into an immediate bout of of melodramatic um, high emotion and then scales straight back down into mundane shots it's the it's the three true outcomes of filmmaking to cross um make make an example based on the um our other podcast
0: and which one's that josh you uh, want to oh juicing
1: juicing the numbers we had a very exciting podcast (laughs) just released yesterday you all should check it out talking about the negro leagues if you don't know what that is check out the show juicing the numbers Um, and you know, we'll we'll get to I guess how the the film ends up ultimately moving, but where we end up at the end, I don't I almost didn't care anymore because I thought that the ride to get there was just so I don't want to say so poorly done because it makes it sound like it was a absolute shit show, and it wasn't, but it wasn't. I don't it for me, because, you know, these types of films aren't going to be quite as cut and dry as anything. You know, no film is cut and dry based on good or bad. But especially when it comes to something that's supposed to have a personal touch to it, everyone's going to experience it exceedingly differently. um i I, I wasn't I didn't pick up the notes didn't hit right for me. And by the time she gives her, very Aaron Sorkin esque speech in the courtroom. I was rolling.
0: You, my did eyes. you read my notes before? Uh, before we talked. Oh that.
1: my god. Oh my. And obviously, you know, spoilers. We, we we talk about the whole movie. If you're planning on watching it, go watch it. If you're not, eat a dick. Uh, as we say at the beginning of every show, eat a dick. Um, I. Oh my god. It hurt. Um, so. That I guess that's where I stand. Like, give, give me give me your first impression. I guess we'll take it from there.
0: Uh, you know, we've talked about this before in the last couple of episodes, where I don't necessarily notice the writing to the same extent that you do. Um, you know, because that is something that you primarily focus on. Um, I will say I did connect with both of these main characters, Shia LaBeouf, Um and uh, Victoria, what was her last name? Kirby? Vanessa Kirby. Vanessa Kirby. I got one letter right. <laughs> well, this is also our second Charlotte Buff movie. I know. We should do more Charlotte Buff. He is very much underrated. Um, I just
1: watched Even Stevens' movie of the other day.
0: Oh, really? Great great. Movie. Yeah, Love I was worried.
1: Movie. I was actually worried it was going to be bad because I haven't watched it since I was a child. No, it's still a good movie. But I that's remember a, seeing,
0: it, seeing it again as like a full-fledged teenager and being like... This is this is a good part of my childhood. This is great. Um, yeah, no
1: regrets. But sorry, you can continue.
0: That being said, no, I love when you go on tangents, especially when you bring them up, because I don't feel as guilty when I bring them up then. Um, <laughs> but Charlotte Buff's uh, therapist must be one of the most overworked people in Hollywood. Um, because he doesn't really do mellow or any short of i need intense emotional distress on screen for me to be able to perform or at least that's all of the last couple roles that i've seen him in um which by all means i love those kinds of movies don't get me wrong it's just man that man he goes he puts himself through a lot uh but i did appreciate him and his character. I did appreciate the relationship that the two had and, and how that was displayed. Uh, Vanessa Kirby, uh, great job portraying a really terrible person, because uh, that that woman, that woman kind of forced that marriage to end. Which, by all means, it's something I can understand. Uh, it's it's one of those things where that is a a. Severely distressing situation and it's uh I don't know how I would relate to it. Um but yeah. Um I'm I'm glad we we, we certainly seem to agree that Vanessa Kirby's
1: character is an asshole. Um because she oh my god. Um and I think that's part of why I don't connect a lot with this film is and that's and i'll say first of all i think the acting in this through and through is great vanessa kirby i think does a great job alan burstein does a great job charlotte buff does a great job um oh that woman who plays the cousin plays siobhan in uh fucking succession uh what's her fucking name sarah snook does a great job um but vanessa kirby's character is an absolute asshole um and i Again, I understand intellectually, like that she is experiencing trauma and is expressing it, you know, herself in while experiencing this, while still processing it and internalizing it. And that I think the fact that I'm taking her as being kind of a dick is a failure of those, all those intermediary scenes where it shows, you know, Dude, I actually have a note here about how much of this movie is her fucking walking around.
0: Hmm.
1: Vanessa Kirby is just walking around in like 75% of this movie. This movie is like 80% B-roll. It's crazy how much of this film is people doing stuff that ultimately means nothing. I I, I don't mean like Wasting lines or, um you know, having a conversation that isn't going to contribute to the end. I mean, like literally just doing things that also just don't matter. So much of this movie is just Vanessa Kirby kind of walking around. And how much how much is that going to be effective? Because if she's not. If, if 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 there's no good visual way to represent the emotions that she's feeling i'm not going to get them and then the coldness i can understand cuz you know some people when they experience terrible things are cold that's uh, that's allowed you don't have to be super sad and weepy you can be cold you can be angry you can be whatever you you need to be at the time you know that's that's up to that's up to how you process your own emotions but if we're not seeing any of the actual processing and it's just her walking around and then picking fights Uh, is she a sympathetic character
0: no but i don't think you necessarily need to be a sympathetic character to be an effective character or at least effectively portray the character as it's written i'm not saying she's a, a Well written character, or you know, uh, an effectively written character for whatever they were trying, you know, originally to portray. I think that this is still, at the very least, an effective way of of portraying the character we got. I, I don't think her necessarily having all of this introspection. Um, and and trying to show that she's dealing with this on her own is necessarily a poor judgment call on the director's part. I think, you know, throughout this film, she's clearly shunning any and all others from her life. You know, her mother, her husband, you know, her sister, her, uh, I don't know if they even dive into friends at all, but they show her increasingly pushing everyone else away because she feels like she needs to deal with this on her own and that no one else can understand or sympathize or help her overcome this grief and i think her spending so much time increasingly alone and uh, you know forcing herself into situations where she's walking around by herself doing things by herself just being By all means, by herself, is just that portrayal, and I get why it wouldn't be the most effective in many respects. I think it is necessarily uh, what they were trying to go for.
1: And see, the thing is, is that I agree with you completely. Yeah, because I like because because you you're right. Like we, you and I both got what they were trying to get at with this film with all those scenes as an individual scenes and as a you know conglomerate as, as a film um and I, and that's why I'm not sure that just because I get it it makes it good you know what i mean right like so one of the parts of the film that drove me absolutely fucking nuts was the ellen burstein monologue because I'm sitting there and I'm listening to it and I'm thinking, Ellen, I'm thinking two things. One, Ellen Burstyn is doing a great job.
0: Mm-hmm. She
1: is she's putting every ounce. She is doing so much acting in that scene. I love it. And the other thing I'm thinking of is this monologue is fucking ludicrous. At no point, because because they table set this idea. By by having it be a backdrop of Judaism. You know, there's there's a menorah in the background. People are wearing Stars of David. And Ellen Burstein gives this monologue about, you know, living back in the old country around occupation, or at least around um, the pogrom era uh-huh. in the ghettos. And this idea of history...
0: Doesn't matter. It doesn't At all. Really, it doesn't relate in any sort. No, it 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 and because it sucked because I'm
1: you know, I'm listening to Ellen Burstein give this very impassioned monologue about how her mother didn't have enough food in her own system to make milk to to feed Ellen Burstein when she was young, and you know, how they still survived and got through it and you can survive this and, and it ended up becoming a pull yourself up by the bootstraps kind of speech which I mean I think we all universally are kind of tired of those at this point but that was part of the point of the speech you know I'm not trying to shit talk that part um, but it's like if first of all she's not gonna do that like no, there wasn't ludicrous. no Um. second of all this never comes up again and I don't mean like in a literal sense where they don't talk about her mother's story it's like by the time that we get to the end of the film. Um, what's her fucking name? Vanessa Kirby, Jesus Christ, has uh, done
0: Victoria Kirby, sir.
1: <laughs> Victoria Kirbino has done exactly what she was, you know, kind of um wanting to do from the beginning, anyway. And I think part of it is that she grew the strength to do it and not get pushed around so much by her family. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's like, this is literally what she's been wanting to do the whole film. And so the fact that she did it, I'm not sure is the, like it, it's not the same equivalency to no. The doctors told my mom to kill me. And my mom said no and persevered. Like it's so, it was so high level of an emotion that it just felt so out of place, and it tied in these ideals of horrible, horrible life in the pogroms and and in the ghettos of Eastern Europe as a Jewish person in the early twentieth century, the ideas of being Jewish and overcoming severe adversity when and I'm not trying to make light of the situation because it's still a horrible, horrible situation that um, Vanessa Kirby is in. Mm-hmm. But it, it seems so disparate from what she's going through and the overall tone of the film that it, it just didn't land.
0: It felt just so... I, I wish I was able to find the right word for it. It just felt so selfish almost and just so self-centered that her mother would come out and talk down to her daughter who is clearly going through an incredibly traumatic experience absolutely that too and forcing her to kind of feel this shame for herself because she is not in a situation where she can pull off something like this where you know you see it with like presidents where you know all of the great presidents we think in our our heads. You know the the George Washingtons, the Abraham Lincolns, the you know Franklin Delano Roosevelt. All of them had to overcome great feats and did so. And we look back so incredibly fondly, and uh, you know because of that. Whether it be the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, World War II, you know you don't get that kind of distinction without great overcomings and it's like her mother doesn't realize that it doesn't have to be that drastic and dramatic for it to be healthy and for it to be effective and it's really just i don't want to say obnoxious but it is it's it's distasteful that she's incapable of seeing past her own view and is unwilling to accept that her daughter is struggling through something and and needs her support and not forcibly trying to get her to provide, you know, the mother with her own satisfaction by being there and standing up when this woman is thrown in prison for something that, from the start, at no point during this, did I think that woman do anything that would constitute, you know, uh, criminal charges. Oh, no. Um, I was concerned that it would be something with like an unlicensed practitioner, whether it be, you know, something that wasn't discussed. But once it was kind of at that point where it's like, oh, no, we're just talking about what occurs within that scene, at no point is any of that um, negligence or, you know, criminal in nature.
1: Uh, no, it's it's not, and I I wholeheartedly agree. the The mother character is also an asshole. The whole movie, mm-hmm. she's a she. She gets painted as a dick in the beginning by Shia LaBeouf. You know, being like, "Why is she buying us a car? Like, I can buy us a car." She's just doing this because she doesn't like me. And then every unpleasant interaction she has, which is every interaction she has mm-hmm. with uh, with her daughter Vanessa Kirby. And then the scheming behind her back. Like, she is a terrible character the whole way through. Which is also why seeing the end scene where they're having, like, brunch together after the courtroom drama, like, nothing ever happened, is so confusing. This woman was ostensibly the bad guy the whole movie. mm -hmm. Why are you just forgiving her? You finally stood up for yourself, and now you're just going to, like, get fucking brunch? what 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 sense does that make?
0: Is it clear that she was falling under like dementia at the end there with you know, the forgetfulness and the absent mindedness, things like that?
1: Uh, I'm not sure. so old people also just forget shit. I don't know.
0: That's kind of what I took from it, uh, and I wasn't certain, um, but I don't think that's a major plot point, so I'm not worried about it. Um, But yeah, uh, Ellen Bernstein, now that I know your name, uh, excellent portrayal. Again, shitty character, shitty person.
1: You're going to hate this, but her name's not Bernstein, it's Burstein. There's no first end. It fucks me up every time. I have to consciously think not to put that first end in there.
0: So you're telling me that there is now another name that I have to actively remember that there is not another end there? Just take or the end that you always put into Ellen just Bernstein. just yeah. Just take
1: just take the end that you always put into Araldus Chapman's name and 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 actually take nope take that out and take out the one from Ellen. There's no more. We need to find you a guy who's missing ends and give you all give him all all all, all of the, your ends.
0: Is my real name Corwe? Is there no end in my name either? No, it's Cornwin. Ah oh, fuck, <laughs> Cornwin Heller. Ah, uh, this is fucking ridiculous. I can't take care of this anymore. I'm losing it.
1: Ugh. Oh, oh. Uh, <laughs> this is a minor point. It really doesn't matter. But I wanted to raise it a new way. Why is Eliza Schlesinger in this movie? Who? The Who? the sisters.
0: Oh, um, I don't know. To kind of, I think in my mind, she's there to no. no, no i mean why is eliza schlesinger like why is
1: famous comedian eliza schlesinger in a almost non-speaking role in this film it it, it was genuinely disorienting
0: uh i didn't know she was that famous i just knew her from like a roast or two on comedy central oh
1: dude she's got like seven specials on on netflix
0: oh really yeah she's been she's been a big touring comic for like a decade quarantine's been tough man people need jobs
1: I'm not, a, I'm not a fan of Eliza Schlesinger. I found her to be very obnoxious um, as a comedian. Um, but I was That'd confused. Uh, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I almost wanted to see her act because I think we all have comedians that we don't like but are also talented in other ways. Um, and I was excited to see her act. And then she, like, didn't talk. And I'm like, girl, I'm, I, I, if you need money, like, I, I, I get it. But, like, why?
0: <laughs> Who cast you? Why are you in this? Who cast you? Yeah, I don't know. Um, like, I will Ben
1: Softy has more lines than her. Yeah, That's weird. I
0: was, I was gonna say, I was super happy to see Benny Softy in this. Softy, yeah. whatever. Whatever, I don't know what's right either. there an in, in there? I don't know.
1: There's two ends in Benny, there's none in Softy. Um, what did you, what, so what do you think, of, you know, what do you think of Shia LaBeouf in this film?
0: Uh, I thought he killed As her, a, like, as a character, his
1: character, I should say.
0: Oh, um... A imperfect character with warm intentions who is severely distressed by an inability to communicate with his wife and a disastrous marriage.
1: Yeah, I I definitely think they wanted him to be very affable. And he definitely was, because in the very first scene of the film, when he's like, we got to get this bridge built, I promised my daughter she'd be the first one to cross it. Um, You know, that's an affable... That's a thing affable people say. Um, But as the movie goes on, and he becomes more of a dick, because everyone in this movie is a dick, it... He... Because if he's a guy who's charming, and funny and nice, who's also descending into some level of uh, resumed alcoholism and cheating on his wife. You might have that weird type of like, oh, he's so bad, but I am I want him to turn it around. And he didn't. He, yeah. at some point during the film, he pivoted from being a guy who seemed like he was also going through this to being the guy who's just going to further set the stage for why Vanessa Kirby's character feels betrayed by betraying her. Um, Cheating on her, going behind her back with the legal shit, um skipping town, attempting rape, <laughs> hitting her in the face with a fucking Pilates ball, like oh my God, yeah. which also i ha i I feel terrible admitting this. I laughed at that. I fucking blinked, and I missed it i oh. i I had to pause the movie
0: really?
1: because <laughs> like, <laughs> because that means that she stared at him. And watched him hoist a Pilates ball up over his head. And then was shocked when he threw it. It's not like a baseball where you can just wind it back super quick. It's a full fucking Pilates ball. She had to so watch that happen. Three feet beat in
0: diameter. Yeah.
1: <laughs> like, the fact that it caught her off guard was hilarious. Mm-hmm. And, think, the, and, you know, and the framing and, of it was funny, too. It was shot like a fucking comedy sk- scene.
0: Yeah, which... I think is partially the intention because it, I, I don't know how you could have that scene and it not be intended that way. um. But I do think that it was more intended as like, I'm shocked he would throw something at me and not in this specific instance. I am shocked that him raising up this giant ass ball. It uh, Yeah. Uh, you know what I'm getting at. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and, and also the fact that the the first true example of of um, the complete devolution of Shalabov's character into spousal abuse is going to come at the hands of a fucking Pilates ball.
0: Um, uh, is that the first time? I guess I'm just kind of forgetting the order of it. If so, I was there. Other outside of the the
1: attempted rape scene, was there another attempt at spousal abuse there, like physical domestic uh, violence? I
0: guess not necessarily physical um more so you know with that emotional and distrust and things like that
1: right the, the fact that chalabuf was a really shitty dude Asshole. yeah
0: um
1: and to to that effect the film i think wants us to assume so much of what happens like they went so hard on the let's show as little as possible and let the imagination fill in the blank um That I think it it ended up ultimately working to the to the contrary. I I think by not showing a lot of what makes Shia LaBeouf's character so fucking terrible, it made it tough to connect him to Vanessa Kirby in certain particular. Like the fact that there wasn't the 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 cheating with Shia LaBeouf and um, Sarah Snook. I, I think instead of it being like a you know she's getting buttoned up right. afterwards or some shit like that fucking show it and make it fucking graphic really nail in the fact yeah. that this guy is a terrible person
0: yeah
1: and then show him right fuck. after that going back home and and doing whatever it was he was he did in the scene afterwards with Vanessa Kirby I don't remember the order of these scenes like really drive it in that that it's not just this guy's a bad guy in a vacuum it's that this guy's a bad guy. And that's one of the things that's contributing to Vanessa Kirby's, um, like, one to one to where she is in this film. Because I think so much of what happens doesn't get connected because of the limited scope that they're trying to show, that it's tough to, like, emotionally tie those strings together.
0: I do think that while you, what you're saying isn't inherently, you know, wrong, like, you are right. Like, he is a major factor and, and should not be held in a, a, you know, positive light with the actions that he's doing. I do think it is important to show that these actions are directly correlated from her devolution into, I don't want to say like madness or anything, but her turning into the character, we see her become, you know, this angry, spiteful person who refuses to communicate, who refuses to, you know, be a part of a a co, de, not codependent, but, you know, a, a relationship, a loving relationship. All of those actions occur after things go south. And I don't think it would be fair to his character to kind of only show it as, hey, like, he's being an asshole, that's an excuse for why she's turning into the person she's turned into, when she almost instigates a fair majority of it with um, her changed behavior and um, her choices as well.
1: I, I, I think it I goes think both ways. I, I...
0: I don't think he should get the sole blame.
1: Right. And and. I think it goes both ways because I think if you show how his shit ties into her shit, there would also be more scenes where you show how her shit ties into his shit because those two characters go down in unison. You know, Ellen Burstein's character just kind of is a dick, even keel the whole way through. And then those two kind of are, you know, bringing each other down. Um, God, there's just so many scenes of her walking around. It's driving me nuts. Um, all right, so you know, let's jump to the end so that we can, I guess, kind of start moving on, um, getting out of here. Actually, before we do, because um, we didn't actually talk about it, what did you think of the beginning, um, the the actual miscarriage? We wouldn't call it a miscarriage.
0: You wouldn't uh, call it a stillbirth? Pregnancy? It wasn't stillbirth because the baby came out alive. I think it's really just... Right.
1: Complications?
0: Baby. Yeah. I forgot the exact definition, but like it was oxygen something i don't know a whole lot about pregnancy the u.s education system not great in that regard uh i don't have a vagina ovaries or a uterus so i don't really know how it all goes down and usually when it's brought up i avoid talking about it because it's kind of fucky uh that being said very interesting and uh i really am glad i never have to give birth um but I thought it was really well done, especially with it being essentially a a long single shot. Um, I think that may have been one of the peaks of the movie. It was a peak at the very least. I don't want to say it was definitively the peak.
1: Yeah, I, I liked it. I think it should have been shorter.
0: Yeah, it was like half an hour.
1: It was too because there was too much. Oh, let me go into this room. Oh, you get her into that room. Oh, I gotta go into this room. Um, it, but I I do think I do think you're right. I do think it
0: was one of the more effective parts of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's one of those things where, at the end of the day, if it was shorter, sure. I don't. I think it's such an important aspect of this movie. That I'm not terribly upset that it it was such a significant portion um, time-wise. Um, at the end of the day, i um, I can accept it for that. It won't be you know this huge detriment to me, um, but I wouldn't be upset if it did end up being a, a shorter scene.
1: Uh, I agree. All right, so let's take it to the end. So one of the um, one of the like guests. The main subplot. It's like the main plot, but it's not the point of the film. So I'm not sure if there's a term for that. Um, But the the driving uh, storyline of the film is that we're building towards a case uh, against the midwife from the beginning of the movie. Accusing her of, I guess, malpractice. And they are in criminal court. Because I don't believe civil court has.
0: No, was it civil court? They are in criminal court. Yeah. And they were in discussion about filing a civil suit against her in addition. Right.
1: Okay, gotcha. Um, And we had testimony from Vanessa Kirby. And then she went out and printed out a picture of her kid um, before she passed away. And then she came back. And gave a speech saying she did, wanted to throw out the case, essentially. Um,
0: Wasn't she, it the sister? The sister found the role of film, got it developed, and then...
1: No, it was Shia LaBeouf had gotten the the film developed, but he never picked it up.
0: You sure? Because I thought it was... Didn't she have... Oh, I thought anyway. I thought it was... I remember the sister like handing her a bunch of things that like she had found and it was uh, or like she had gotten from the house and it was like a roll of film, like the roll of negatives. And then I forget. You might be right. It's not it's not a huge topic of contention, so it doesn't matter.
1: Anyway, so what did you what did you think about this? um, It's not like quite the ending ending, but what do you think about the ending?
0: It, or that part of it felt—I don't want to say forced, but I didn't love it. It was one of those things where it's like, "Ha, ah, this is kind of far too cheesy for me." Like this just wasn't wasn't ideal. Like it felt Sorkin-esque, uh, but more late Sorkin and not good Sorkin, if you know what I mean. Trial the Chicago Seven not 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 you know, few good men wrestling. yeah yeah um yeah I it just kind of seemed like one of those endings where they had this story down pat and they just didn't know how to end it and so they decided to make it end happily ever after except the kid's still dead charlotte buff has still abandoned his family the mom has dementia and Yeah, yeah.
1: I I honestly forgot that the case was going to court, and I know that they you know had a bunch of scenes with Sarah Snook and they talked about it like throughout the entire film. But the fact that they were actually like in a courtroom, I was like, oh shit, we're here. Okay, wow. Um, and then when she walked in the courtroom, Cal and I both looked at each other like she's going to ask to throw the shit out. Like it it. It was hollow, honestly. Uh-huh. It was so hollow.
0: It felt uh, hollow because it, it just kinda popped up out of nowhere.
1: Yeah. It really like she literally was walking on the street coming back from I guess the photography, the print shop. Um, which I I I had to look up to see if this was made in a different year. Because I have a hard time believing those places still exist. Where they let yeah, you go into the back of the black agree. room and everything.
0: Yeah. When I, I, I... I I genuinely thought it was like uh, a wildly different kind of situation, where like this was like a a not backyard, but like a a shack. Like, what am I trying to say? Like that this was not a a real Walmart type place. Like this was just like some guy's house.
1: Yeah, especially because I I had. I didn't get a good look at the camera Buff was using when they were taking those pictures. I had I had thought it was one of those disposable cameras. Like he had a film camera? Don't know. Yeah. And anyway, um she literally walks another another long fucking tracking shot of her walking straight into the courthouse and then straight up to to the judge. And then just starts talking.
0: Well, no, they, they have that nice little piece of exposition where it's like, well, typically this isn't allowed. And the judge is like, I also, that was fucking,
1: that was fucking hilarious because Uh, she says uh, it to the bailiff and he's like, you know, this isn't typically allowed. And then he goes and says it to the judge and then you hear the judge in the background go, well, we don't typically allow this. And I'm like, uh, you couldn't have had a different way of put, and you didn't hear her just say it like, oh man. It was and bad. It,
0: it's like one of those things where it's like, no, it's not like this isn't typically allowed. It's just, it's not allowed. Like it's, it's just not. Like that's just not how a courtroom works. Also, walk into a courtroom and then make a fucking PowerPoint presentation to the class.
1: No, and it, it was, it was a confusing scene for multiple reasons. Because first, it started off with her asking, "Can I talk to the judge?" Yeah, and then. Instead of addressing the judge,
0: oh we'll instead have you of, address the court.
1: Instead and, and no, because the judge is the court. And instead of addressing the jury,
0: no, she addresses the audience. No, the judge is the judge. The court would be including the jury, the prosecution, the defense. The court is the courtroom.
1: Right. I mean, yes, typically the judge takes ownership of the court, and so you would address the judge as the court. But yes, you are right. It is a multifaceted point. Um, Still standing, however, uh, she does not address the judge nor the jury. She addresses the The audience. It seems to make no actual sense because who is she talking to? And she's speaking for her, you know, she's speaking her truth, so it might not matter much to whom she's speaking, but it's it's like we talked about this last week where um, in the King of Staten Island, Bill Burr shows up to um, Larissa Tomei's house wearing the shirt of a realty agency that never gets brought up and that he doesn't seem to work for. And so it's like, yeah, we all own those shirts. So it's not necessarily weird to think that he would own those shirts, but in a film where the details of what's happening are going to be looked at, it's weird to have that shirt be there. And that's what this is like. She was going to give that speech, and the words of the speech matter way more than to whom she's addressing. But the fact that she's not seemingly addressing any of the right people at all, is weird. And it doesn't per se take too much away from what she's saying, but it's like why? Why not have her speak to the jury and make glances at her family or spread it out the directions in which she's speaking so that you get the reactions of multiple people or to make just to make sense of what's happening.
0: Mm-hmm. Because
1: it's it it it's distracting how not right that scene was filmed.
0: Again, it it felt forced. It felt fake. It just... It stood out for all the wrong reasons because it didn't feel like it fit into the rest of the film.
1: No. Um, Much the same as, I would say, the true ending of this film, which is a girl climbing on an apple tree.
0: Which... I don't I don't like I get how it connects. I don't get if it's like meant to be like a dream sequence or the future or the past or any of the above. I, So't I know.
1: I read that as being an apple tree that Vanessa Kirby planted, and the girl playing in it being like that juxtaposition, like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I might not have had a child. But I still, you know, made this like this is a life that I created and it is being, you know, it's like it's, it's like a play date almost, you know, like I, it's being enjoyed by a life that another woman created, you know, and like it's not it's not my daughter in the tree. But, you know, there's this parallel here Um, and I don't hate it. It just really, really came like the fuck out of nowhere.
0: Yeah, I don't hate it. Yeah, I'm close, though.
1: You well, know what, no, I,
0: I, can't, I can't say that. I, I think if... I honestly am forgetting whether or not the scene of her, like, checking the growth of those apple seeds is directly beforehand.
1: I believe it is directly beforehand, yeah.
0: Then I can't really be too upset. Um...
1: Well, can I I tell you what bothers me about it it is because it, 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 it plays with this idea of like dream surrealism a little bit, you know, here's this, this, this loftier concept that we are introducing to the film that was nowhere, absolutely nowhere in the two hours prior to this scene. And if there had been light touches of this, and this is the type of thing, like that end scene is what I wish they spent more time doing in the scenes in which Vanessa Kirby was just walking the fuck around Boston or wherever. Um, Because those high-minded ideas, or at least like higher, you know, you got to read into them a little bit. They were presenting to you a concept through a visual those would have added more depth to what this film was trying to present to you. you know. But we, like, we don't learn until the end that like the idea of the apples is because my daughter smelled like apples for like the one minute I got to hold her. And now we're going to draw in all this symbolism where there was no symbolism anywhere earlier on in this film. It was pretty straightforward. And it's just such a contrast that it's like, how are you doing this now at the end? After everything else we saw. Why are you doing it now? It it just doesn't. We're at a point where it just doesn't fit.
0: Completely agree. You know. I, I think this. Had a lot of legs beneath it. To start off the film. And. The point where it finishes. Is just a, a major drop off from. Where it was. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It was a very slow progression to not very far. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, I guess we'll, we'll kind of wrap it up. We do have another movie to talk about after all, um, acting wise, which is the awards for which this film is, we are anticipating being nominated for. Um, uh, I, th- I, think this did a great job. Um, I think the performances turned in here are great. I think this story is an interesting story. I'm just not thrilled with how it was told. But at the end of the day, I still think this is a a really worthwhile story um, to spend time on and to consider. So as much as you know, we often say, we talk about the negative things a lot more than we talk about the positive things. Um, so I'll probably give this three stars, three out of five here. Um, cause I do think this is still a decent film. I, I would probably still say for people to watch it come award season. Um, but this was not a strong favorite for me,
0: which is understandable. Um, I personally would definitely give it a three and a half. I would toy with a four. If it, if it just worked that, if it, Just give me a little bit more in other places to make up for that ending. I do think that, again, the overall story is worthy of this being a a strong suggestion. And and by all means, I feel like it it almost should be a four. Uh, It's just there's the scenes that do suck, suck a lot and really drag it down. which sucks because I think this, you're completely right, I think this is built to be a, a very very good movie. Or at least has the bones, the foundation to be, and just wasn't quite executed to its fullest extent.
1: Which is a real shame because yeah, like the you know, cinematography, really really nice, acting, Beautiful. Beautiful. solid. Um, it, it really just came down to writing for me on this. But Such as life. Um,
0: Yeah, uh, I will say, you know, the the cinematography, like you just mentioned, is absolutely gorgeous in this. Uh, And I do also want to add that uh, I forgot to bring this up earlier, but the use of the bridge as a passage of time, just continuously showing this just master shot of you know, bridge slowly, slowly getting completed. Uh, I really like that.
1: Right on. Yeah. All right. Now let's pivot on over to uh, our other pick. Your pick 2016's Manchester by the sea. Um, it was written and directed by Kenneth Lonergan. Uh, it stars Casey Affleck, Michelle Williams and Kyle Chandler, um, which is weird because I would have included... What's his name? Lucas something? The guy that actually plays Patrick? We'll get there.
0: Huh? Kyle Chandler? No, Patrick. Patrick Chandler? Yeah. Oh, What's his fucking name? Lucas Hedges. I thought you just said an actor's name was the last name Chandler.
1: Oh, yeah. Kyle Chandler is the actor that plays Joe Chandler.
0: Is there a relation here that I'm just not privy to, or what's going
1: oh, on? Who, who fucking knows, man.
0: I'm going to assume it's just a happy accident.
1: Um, a sad accident. Anyway, um, budget for this film was $9 million at a cumulative worldwide gross of $79 million. So I think we can safely call that a success. Yeah. Um, its tagline. It exists is uh, breathtaking, a truly incredible piece of cinema. That's that's not a tagline.
0: That's not a. I think that's a review.
1: Yeah, that's like a quote you have. You know, like at, below that it says, "Per Stephen F. from the New York Times" or some bullshit. Per Stephen um, A. Smith. Yeah,
0: get off the weed. Um, it won. <laughs> It, it won Honestly, good advice for this guy. If we're talking about pop points, probably shouldn't have smoked that joint that night. Just throwing that out there.
1: Or done all that Coke, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, It won two Oscars on the back of six nominations. It won for Best Performance by an Actor in a Leading Role for Casey Affleck uh, and Best Original Screenplay for Kenneth Lonergan. It was also nominated for Best Motion Picture of the Year for Lauren Beck, Matt Damon, Kimberly Stewart, Chris Moore, and Kevin J. Walsh. Nominated for Best Performance by an Actor in a Supporting Role for Lucas Hedges, Best Performance by an Actress in a Supporting Role for Michelle Williams, and Best Achievement in Directing uh, for Kenneth Lonergan. Um, it is about a depressed uncle who is asked to take care of his teenage nephew after the boy's father dies.
0: Um, Corwin, so it's your pick. Your Boston accent is fucking atrocious.
1: Well, all Boston accents are atrocious. So yes, um, it's your pick. So you can you go ahead and get us started.
0: Um, yeah, this is a uh, one of those uber depressing, uber introspective films, just delving into what it means to be depressed and how to deal with loss and how to to cope with life's bend you over and fuck you in the ass kind of attitude that uh 2020s really uh, brought out in us the best um that being said i think this is an incredibly well done film in that regard uh visually i thought it was excellent um, nothing special i would say but by all means still a a treat to kind of view uh the acting is is spectacular i mean casey affleck you know don't really need to say much about his performance you know winning best actor kind of speaks for itself especially uh i believe this was a a very uh tough year competition wise there was a lot uh, a lot of premier nominations
1: uh, uh that year he was up against andrew garfield for hacksaw ridge denzel washington for fences cool. ryan gosling for la la land and vigo mortenstein for captain fantastic never mind wrong year
0: not a great yeah. year this is, no. this is a pretty shit year outside of yeah. denzel uh what year is this 2013 2017 wow okay i was a little bit off um but yeah i i think this is uh for what this was trying to be i think it it was the opposite of uh, Pieces of a Woman I think it, it very much outgrew those expectations and I knew this was going to be a well made movie, I knew this was going to be a a emotional film, uh, I didn't quite think it was going to reach this level uh, and I really really enjoyed it I also took no notes for this, I couldn't Okay, so I'm first of all, sure. I'm, gl- I'm glad we both took no notes for this movie, because <laughs> I have
1: no notes for this either. Um, and that's going to tie in exactly to what I'm going to say, because this is a great fucking movie. Um, have you seen this before? I have. I so- I've i only seen it one other time. I saw it when it came out, because, you know, Corwin and I are doing this thing where we watch all the um, Oscar nominees that for categories that we hear about going into the Oscars this year it's a thing that i've been doing for years and corwin's been doing pretty uh rather recently as well 2019 um, started right um so this it, if if it's a best picture nominee at least um going back to probably like 2010 i've seen it for sure um so i saw this when it came out for that um and i haven't watched it since and that's part of what i'm gonna say with this is that this is a great movie. And I feel no compulsion to ever watch this again.
0: A hundred percent. This is and, the kind of, like, this is, like, an inside Lewin Davis kind of tier for me where I love this movie to death. I'm going to have to be in a really bad place to see this again. Like, well, this is going to be the kind of movie I don't watch again until, like, a parent dies or, like, a close friend dies. Like, and, I, I just can't put myself through that kind of emotional distress just to watch a movie.
1: So I'm I'm gonna add to that because for me it's two things. It's that, and this is not the world's most interesting plot. Mm. But it's phenomenally fucking made. Because let's look inside Lewin Davis. It's about a um folk guy, folks that trying to make it in the in the late 50s, early 60s, and traveling around between New York and Chicago trying to make a living and and make music and you get to hear folk music and you get to see the 60s and or the 50s in a way that you don't usually get to see. That's cool. This movie is about a guy whose brother dies and a kid whose father dies and then the two of them spend time together. Very reductive, I understand. I'm being very reductive. Um, however, that's not the world's most interesting plot. And that's okay because this movie isn't about that. This movie is about this two, how these two are coping with that loss um with each other as the film progresses and as they kind of go through all the mundanity that comes with ta- taking care of uh, someone's affairs after they die a lot of this movie is like i gotta fucking find some place to put my brother's body oh shit where are you gonna put it i have no fucking clue uh, there's no uh there what there. there's no funeral houses in uh, in manchester no <laughs> like this movie is mundane, and that's the point of the movie, right? Um, which, so like, watching it again for the first time since 2017, I'm remi- I, I kind of like forgot how fucking well done this was, and it was a great reminder. And I still feel no no compulsion to watch this again. And I find that I and, that's, and again that is not me trying to shit talk it. I am going to recommend this movie up, down, and sideways. Um, it's I, I'm trying to highlight I think just how fucking great of a job they did making this because this is the exa- this is this is the exact opposite of pieces of woman like you said where they took a relatively boring story again on purpose it is supposed to be about the mundanities around um loss you know planning and and logistics and that dumb bullshit coupled with some more dramatic aspects like where is this kid going to live and those types of things but Taking that small, small concept and expanding it out into paint and and painting it into a full picture of what each of these vi- these two dudes in very different parts of their lives are going through, who interacted with the guy who died in very different ways, and are simultaneously telling their story of loss, um, while they are with each other and both also living their own separate lives. It's. Wonderful storytelling.
0: Mm-hmm. I just... I I want to say I wish this was a happier film. I wish this had a, a, a brighter ending. I wish everything worked out perfectly in the end. At the end of the day, it's just like... I can't ask them to do anything different because I wouldn't want them to do anything different. I just want this to be this like this just is what it should be and i i really am a fan just through and through i just think this was a a perfect way to kind of break down the struggles of going through a scenario like this of you know you faced a horrible loss and and it's it's hard coping with it. It's hard going through and taking care of these things mentally, you know, like the whole premise of having it be a,, um, you know, him coping with the previous loss he faced and and all the mundane aspects. I think that's just kind of,, uh, you know, plot points to move along the idea that not only do you have to deal with the mental, side of it not only do you have to deal with the physical logistics of it but you don't get a break from life while doing all of that you still have to deal with how the fuck am I going to pay for surviving through all of this how the fuck am I going to make it through with what I have going on and um, I just really love through and through, how well this was done. Um, again, that's just—I think—at the end of the day, there's nothing I would change from this, top to bottom.
1: I—I I would disagree that this film isn't happy because I think this film's also fucking hilarious. Um, it's
0: funny. I wouldn't say it's happy.
1: But I, I think that I think that building in those small moments of comedy that we can paint as being small moments of joy um is essential because without it because it, it it's it's a bitterly sad film. Um, and I think without the moments of like them Lucas Hedges shitting on his drummer.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Man, without without better. those
1: moments like it wouldn't it's tough to watch a movie that's nothing but sadness right. cuz i think for one part it's it's just a lot of sadness and then for another part it's hard to contextualize it and and build a contrast against it you know <clears throat> white always looks brighter when it's against something that's darker black always looks blacker if it's against something that's lighter so having those contrasts help paint you a more vivid picture of what's happening. And yeah, oh, man. yeah, like, like when um when Casey Affleck uh, is making himself breakfast and after he punched the the window and he's got that cut in his hand, and Lucas Hedges goes, uh, "Oh, what happened to your hand?" And Casey Affleck goes, "Oh, cut it." And Lucas Hedges goes, "Oh, ferment there, I didn't know what happened."
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a great fucking line.
0: It is. A, it really is. Yeah. That's
1: fucking hilarious. All the they do the, have
0: some really great chemistry, the two of them. They do. Um,
1: and all the 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 foibles with trying to fuck in your mom's house, like that's funny too, with Lucas Hedges and the kid and uh, his uh, his girlfriend. There's there, there's a lot of good moments in there. Because you know, and that's what I think makes this film tough to make notes for, to write down notes for. Because they're all very normal things that are happening.
0: Right. This is at no point outside the realm of not just reality, but because like reality can still be twisted, especially in film. This is all things that don't just t- take place with a, you know, a plausibility, but this is all the things that we do go through regularly. Like we all experience significant portions of this throughout our lives, and I think that's what makes it, to an extent, so good at you know being a a film because what makes it so good at being a film? Fuck off, Corwin. Um, <laughs> it it's so easy to relate to and just. Feel like you understand these characters, understand where they're coming from, understand what they're going through, even if you do not understand the specific instance that this film surrounds itself. You know, I've never had a brother pass away. I've never had a a close. You never had a brother. uh, I've never had a brother. You're right. (laughs) Um, Like I've had a grandparent pass away, two grandparents pass away it's not anything like losing a brother and having to care for his child. Um, But at the same time, you feel like you can understand through these characters what that must be like. And that's not always something that comes across easily in certain films. Um, It's built well. The characters are all built well. None of these characters are unbelievable in their nature or decisions. None of them are unbelievable in their scenario or situation. It, it's a well done film through and through and I wouldn't change a thing.
1: Yeah, the, the only thing that I think one might have a difficult time relating to again, that not a knock against the film is uh, Casey Affleck's kids dying in a fire. Um that's the only part of this we're like oh that's a very specific thing outside of that but, everything else is very much so this could happen to
0: anybody but even then you see it how his behavior changes in Oh the, right right the 15s, uh, yeah and I'm you not can uh, fully understand every feeling that he's going through you can understand the decisions he's making with kind of shutting himself away from the rest of his family and friends and and basically his life because of that and at no point does it seem like it's not how you would conceivably go through that situation yourself.
1: Right. My my point isn't that it's a weird or out of place or not. Well, you know, it's well written everything. My point was only like, you know, everyone has to plan a funeral. Everyone's got to figure out where to put their deceased loved one's body. Everybody's got to figure out how to take care of the affairs. Not everybody knows a guy whose kids all died in a fire. That because was the only point.
0: They got fucking high and yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Again, not say, uh, not that.
1: trying to share it as a knock against the film. I'm just saying, like, like you will relate to most aspects of this film all over the place because they are so, you know, general to the average white man's experience outside of the kids dying in the fire that part you're not you know you don't know everybody
0: i can concede that
1: (laughs) (laughs) uh i don't know i want to i'm 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 wrestling with whether it's worth bringing up but now that i've thought about it and i'm talking i'm just going to keep talking and say the point this is a very white movie um yeah because i I don't, I, don't, I don't even mean I'm not even trying to say that as a negative, you know um but it is a it is a weirdly specific white film like one of the main undercurrents of the film is uh, hey, what's happening to the boat? And I you know you, you know that the boat is there because the 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 brother was a fisherman. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea about wrangling with a boat. Is a privileged position to come from in a lot of ways. The idea that uh, and this is part of the thing that feeds Casey Affleck's depression after his kids die. The fact that his three kids died because of his own negligence, and then he just like walked away, unfucking touched right. uh, by, yeah. by the 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 uh, criminal justice system is also wild. They not uh, even hold I up.
0: will agree that that is a very clear representation of you know the kind of privilege that certain people. Uh, go through life with. I will say the privilege of owning the boat when it's not, you know, a recreational activity, but you know, your job. Commercial fishermen aren't exactly the wealthiest guys in the world, and and I would not consider that a privileged life. No, um, and I, I will think that's definitely part of what... agree with um, the legal aspect of it.
1: Yeah, right. And I I was going to say, because I I think that's part of what makes films that take place in like Northeastern United States weird because also like the fact that like Patrick plays hockey, um, which is a rich white kid sport. It's also though, just a thing you do if you're in Massachusetts. It's a very common activity to play or a a common sport to play in Massachusetts, even amongst a lot of the kids that don't have a lot of um, You know, by playing in the street. Now, Patrick was on a team so clearly, there's there's been a little bit more funds devoted to this, um, but you know, f- the fishing life, the the um, fucking goddamn, it, the hockey as a hobby, the 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 skirting by the judicial system, all things that like totally make sense, mm-hmm. you know, like in in a vacuum but also feel because it is, you know, the Northern U S and there are no black. There's one black woman in the beginning of this film, um, makes it feel distinctly white. And I'm not sure I'm trying to, what I'm trying to say about it. Cause I don't think it, it doesn't change the movie at all, but I noticed it.
0: And so I'm talking now and here I am saying that it's one of those things where I would find it more out of place if it wasn't Boston. Oh, for sure. Um, again, like just it taking place in Boston is kind of like, well, I can't really argue it too much.
1: Right. And that's like where I'm coming from on it. Cause it's like, it's it's not like I'm sitting here like, Oh, come on. The fisherman owned a boat. Really? How do you afford that? Um, it's his job. I'm sure he found a way. (laughs) um, or, like, you know, arguing about the boat is so privileged because it, like, is and isn't at the same time, but it much more isn't than it is. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. Uh, I don't really have much to fucking say about this.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty much uh, maxed out on uh, both my love and admiration for this film.
1: Um, let me, I guess, just to put a bow on it, as, you know discussion plot wise what do you make of the ending so by by the end of the film you know there's been a lot of like tasks and shit that casey affleck has to kind of like handle and the biggest and most daunting one is what the fuck happens to patrick um lucas hedges character because patrick is 16 so he cannot be on his own like legally um Mm -hmm. And he wants to stay in Manchester because that's where he's from and where his friends are and where his hockey team is and his girlfriend and his band and blah 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 blah. And Casey Affleck like can't stay in Manchester because that's where his family died, and it is like psychological psychologically detrimental to him to do so. So they're at like an impasse, and the f- film ends on like this conclusion, um, in which Casey Affleck tells Patrick like, "All right, you're gonna." get adopted by the friend of the family george so that you can stay in manchester because you know casey Affleck has like legal rights that have to be forfeited and something's going to happen basically with this adoption proce- process uh and cuz i you know so they're going to adopt you cuz i just can't fucking stay here and i want you to be happy basically mm-hmm. um and uh i'm going to find a new place in Boston, start my life over. And I'm going to try to find a two bedroom joint so that you can come and hang out in Boston with me whenever you want.
0: And then they go fishing. So what, what, I don't know. What do you think about the conclusion to this little story here? I mean, like, obviously it's not the perfect storyboard ending of, you know, something you'd see in like a Disney movie where, Oh, you know, Casey Affleck is able to overcome his past trauma. He's able to grow as a person. they he adopts him himself and they live happily ever after. Like that doesn't happen because by all means, that's not how the world works. Um, I will say of all the reasonable outcomes that could be expected from this, um, this is definitely one that I would agree is probably, the best for all parties involved given their situations you know casey affleck the trauma of killing your family and killing your three children uh indirectly as it may be is not just something you can kind of overcome with additional loss like your brother uh And especially raising a child and and having those responsibilities when you are still even struggling to accept the original outcome of your family, that's just not healthy. That's not going to be healthy for either party involved. And as much as we'd love for that to be the case, it's just, it's not going to be that storybook ending. It can't be that storybook ending. So. Finding him a home with a family that both already knows him, already is well established as being, you know, people who share significant time with him, know Patrick well enough to not have this be a a major drastic change in addition to what he's already going through also being, you know, formidable enough to deal with the boat, handle the boat, you know, which is clearly a, a major incentive and a major uh topic of contention for Patrick, I think it works out best. You know, Casey Affleck being able to be close by, being able to uh still be a part of his life in a, a measurable way is for the best for everyone involved. So I think this is not an a plus outcome because it can't be. I do think it is an an a outcome. and letter grade a not n outcome, yes, English, yes
1: yeah i I think with you know what the ending shows is a mutual understanding of the situation in a situation that fucking sucks. Yeah, um, Lee doesn't want to leave and so he's going to have to make a shit concession in order to make that happen and um, sorry Patrick doesn't want to leave I should say Lee is Casey Affleck uh, Casey Affleck doesn't want to have to stay and so he's going to have to enter into a shitty outcome in order to make that happen uh, but he also wants to leave with the idea of like I'm going to start building something In which, you know, which will host the ability to have you spend more time with me. You know, I'm not just going to leave and fuck off to this place an hour and a half away. And it's like, hey, you know, come down if you're fucking around. No, I'm going to, um, I'm going to get a place designed in mind to have you be there too. And like, you know, it'll be, I'm going to build a home for you for when you want to be there. Um. And, you know, i it's a very adult ending.
0: Right. It's, it's a, a real it, ending. It's a real adult ending.
1: Right. Right. A, a worse version of this movie would have Casey Affleck clinging to Patrick because it's like, I already lost these three kids. So I'm not losing another kid. Um, and right. Casey, you know, Lucas Hedges have to be like, oh, Casey, like, come on. This is enough. I'm a guy. I'm my own guy. Right. Fuck off. He's
0: trying to get um, laid in all these bitches brooms get out and get the fuck away from me. Just trying to get my drummer to play
1: on time. Um but no, like they 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 both end the film with a mutual understanding of each other's situations in life and emotionally and then go forward from there. It's a very it's a very mature ending. Um very grounded. So there and again, that's the whole film which is what makes this so hard to like pick a you know, talk about in a lot of like, specifics. Mm-hmm.
0: I also really like that <laughs> Casey Affleck, once he finds out all about this, like, uh, um, like, relationship triangle that uh, Lucas Hedges kind of got himself into, he's just kind of like, uh, I'm not gonna like, chew you out for this, I'm not gonna talk down it to you about this, but like, no, this is this shit is not gonna fly here like figure your shit out like I'm not gonna butcher you over this, but this shit ain't figure ain't, it out ain't gonna work, yeah, like you need to make a decision here, bud boy uh,
1: um uh, final rating and review'
0: five it's a five
1: out of, out of what uh three and a half. It's a five out of three and a half yep, five as, out the, as the as the good lord intended um yeah i'll i'm waffling between four and a half and five
0: uh i had eggs for breakfast if that helps you waffle at all
1: i'll go four and a half because i'm waffling my heart's not in it i don't know yeah. why
0: no i i fully understand where you're coming from coming from there you know it it, like for me that that five is always involving to some degree some kind of x factor some kind of gut feeling and yeah there's got to be a little bit more certitude in it right so i'm all about it but uh yeah this is is... watching this movie um maybe not after you lose a loved one or maybe if you did just be prepared
1: Oh yeah, this is this is a great fucking movie. Uh I highly recommend it too. Um but you know, be ready for sad. Be ready for sad. It's it's it, it's the sad. Um all right, then uh let's get into next week's films. Um so this time around Corwin is the one with the Oscar's pick. Um so Corwin, what do you got?
0: Uh I'm going with First Cow
1: first cow all right Uh, we are projecting that one to be a best screenplay nominee so we'll definitely be attuned to the writing in this one i am excited uh corwin you can find this one on hulu
0: i believe so it says a stars subscription i believe oh
1: stars okay cool all right that is first cow Uh, My film is also going to be a recent release because I saw it on HBO Max and I want to watch it. Uh, It's called The Little Things, Uh, the new Denzel Washington film. I'm sure it's going to be bad because it's coming out now and it's not nominated for anything, which means it's probably a dump. Um, But I still want to see it. So we're going to watch this together. Works for me. All right, cool. That is The Little Things, 2021's The Little Things, and 2021's First Cow. Uh, so check those out before we drop next week's pod. Um, if you want to uh, check us out on Twitter, hit us up on Twitter. You can do so at uh, Big Screen Juice. And if you want to hit us up via email, you can do so at at gmail.com. And uh, until next week, y'all have a good one. Bye.